I'm going to start off a little bit different tonight. I'm going to start off a little bit different. But if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, whatever you have, I'd ask you to get them out and follow me because we're going to take a long journey tonight. I can't promise you that I'm going to be done uh, by 9 o'clock, but I, <laughs> but I will do my very, my very, very best to be done by 8 o'clock. It is 7.20. I got 40 minutes. But I do want to take you on a journey. I do want to take you through a lot of scripture. I'm going to use a lot of words tonight. It is Wednesday night. is a Bible study night. And uh, this past Sunday, I dove into something uh, in Acts 3. And I want to continue in that tonight. We're going to go from Acts 3 to Acts 4. We're going to be all over. We're going to be in Revelations at some point. And, uh, I mean, we're just going to take a journey. So I hope you're ready. I hope you love the word of God. Here we go. This past Sunday, we dove into Acts 3, and we spoke about Simon, Peter, and John, now full of the Holy Spirit, on their way to the temple. And as they're on their way to the temple, there's a man who had been lame from his mother's womb, laying by the gate called Beautiful. A gate represents access. Every day, his friends set him down close to something that he couldn't get into. Have you ever felt that way? Like you was on the precipice of something, but you just couldn't get into it yet. You know there's an anointing there, and there's a calling, and there's a purpose. And you're by a gate, but you just hadn't been able to go in yet. You know what God has for you. I need to talk to somebody in this place who's tired of being close, but not being complete. You know there's more for you to do in the kingdom and in this world, but you've just been sitting by the gate. But the Lord wants you to know that you're at the gate, and that gate is not negative. The gate means that you have opportunity, and that your life isn't meant to be just routine and ritual. It's not meant to be normal or ritualistic. That the gate you've been sitting by, beyond it is destiny that you couldn't even believe. There's a calling that you can't even imagine. So here it is. Write this down. If you want more, you can have more. I put it all up on you right there and all the responsibility shifted to you right there. If you can believe more, you can get more. If you want abundant life, you can have abundant life. I was just seeing who was with me. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. All those lights online, I heard you say it. I heard you. But the only way to get through the gate is to stop making excuses because excuses comfort incapacity. It's not my fault. No one ever helped me. They didn't support me. They didn't love me. They hurt me. It's too late now. If only I could go back and catch a break. If I would have knew then what I know now, I'd have it all figure out, figured out. But can I give you a word? Your life will always be what you expect it to be. 
you satisfied with being by the gate and making excuses, you'll stay by the gate the rest of your life. And you'll never step into what God wants you to have. If you continue to make a routine out of being miserable and complaining, then you'll live by the gate of destiny, but you'll never enter into the gate. Watch this. Some people are so used to being dysfunctional, angry, and frustrated that when they say something nice, it scares people. You think something's wrong with them. Hey, we got to take you to the hospital right now. Something is wrong with you right now. You've said it. What's wrong with so-and-so? They're being awfully nice today. They're unusually happy today. I ain't seen them smile in a long time, but look at them. They're over there. If people say that about us, then that means we are content with just sitting around the gate. And here's another issue. Routine has been entertained by religion. Routine has been entertained by religion. Too long we've allowed people to come to the house of God and shake their beggar's cup and we just threw a couple dimes in it and let them go home unchanged now not all of religion i love people that say religion is bad religion is bad religion is in the bible pure religion is in the word of god not all religion is bad there is some good pure religion so not all religion is bad but a lot of religion has been just throwing coins in the cup of someone else's routine Giving them just enough to get by, but not enough to step through and into what God has for them. This means many can go to church and remain the same when they leave as they were when they got here. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all about good structure. Wasn't the music incredible tonight? We've got great musicians. We've got, we've got a great team that do a remarkable job. I look back there before service, but Jeff's pulling out his hair, and then you get in here, he gets it all figured out, and you know, Brother Jack's back there videoed, eating a little bit of candy every once in a while, and he's on that camera making it happen. I'm all about good structure. I'm all about preaching, man. I love me some preaching. I'm all about fellowship, but can I tell you, we can have all of this and no power presence. We can have, we, hey, we, we can do it up right. You know what I'm saying? We, we, can, we can make it, we can shine it up, and we can make it look good, and we can entertain people, and it can be great. But what I really want to know, is there any power in the house? Because the Bible says that they will have a form. They'll have a shell of godliness. It'll look godly. The worship will be good. The preaching will be all right. But there won't be any power. That's what the Bible says. You see, routine and religion have been going through this for years until suddenly here comes a relationship showing up in the middle of a routine. You get somebody in a relationship, it'll break the routine apart. You get somebody who's been talking to Jesus and praying to Jesus and reading, they'll show up to the house of God and they'll mess the whole service up. I, if I, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be transparent. Sunday morning, I was like, man, they got to quit shouting. I got to preach. Trying to mess up my routine, man. I got a word. I got to get it out. Y'all come up here wilding out, man. Dancing, running, shouting. 
But then I dialed it back. I was like, man, that's, that's what I'm going to preach about Wednesday night. There was power in the house. People has, has been in relationships. So we came in. We messed up. We didn't even sing the last song we were supposed to sing because the Holy Spirit said, you got people that want to move. They're in relationship. I don't want to come to a Wednesday night and just show up and go through routine. I want the power and the presence and the anointing. I want people to know your chains can fall off tonight. I want people to know you can be healed tonight and you can be delivered and you can be set free I don't want just routine I want relationship that's what I want I want to rate, relate somebody with a relationship with Jesus Christ to break routine and the only way to break routine in our life is to have a real relationship with Jesus to treat him like he's alive and around us not to treat it like a, a, a to-do list where we just check something off and we're good for the day no we talk to him I love what brother Tenney said he said there's hardly a day that I pray a full hour. But there's hardly ever an hour that I'm not praying. Because <laughs> every day my mind is on him. I didn't get my title at the beginning, but I'll give it to you now. <laughs> Breaking routine. <laughs> Actually, I wish I could tell you that I had it in my notes to give you my title right now, but I didn't. I just forgot to give it to you, but... The seal of the name. Talking to him daily. Applying his name daily. Being in covenant with him daily. That way his presence can shift your direction. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been led by the spirit of God and you didn't even know it. You don't know why you went there. You don't know why you drove into that parking lot. You, Brother Shock told me the other day, he told some of our leaders, he said, God told me to leave my office one day when I was at the Pentecostals of Alexandria and go sit on the bench in Dillard's. Just go sit there. He said, that's going to look real good, God. The pastor, one of the pastors at POA sitting in Dillard's, they're going to say he's just rolling in the money in there, buying him some Kenneth Cole dress shirts and some ties. He said, I just went and sit there. He said, I sit there and I sit there. And finally, I said, God, can I go back to my office? God said, no, not yet. Just at the moment that he was getting tired of sitting there, someone showed up and said, Brother Shock? Brother Shock said, yeah, yeah, it's good to see you. And he said, at that moment, he knew that he had a word for that person at that moment. Because when you're in relationship, it'll break your routine. You'll get up, want to go to Wendy's, and the Holy Spirit will say, no, you got to go to Popeye's. First off, you need to go repent. If you're going to Wendy's before you go to Popeye's, you... I love that chicken from Popeye's. The Bible says Peter and John, who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, are on their way to the temple. On their way to the temple. It is now approximately two or three years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they're still going to the temple daily and talking to him. They're going up to the temple with an expectation because they still have a daily relationship with Jesus. When we have a relationship with Jesus, we learn to expect more than routine. Relationship walked up to this man and said, silver and gold have I none. Now watch this. This lame man is sitting in front of a gate made of gold begging for gold. That's why it's called beautiful. It was a gold gate. But relationship says, I'm not flashy, I'm not impressive, and I don't have no silver and gold. I don't have a Gucci belt buckle. I ain't got none of that. But I know who I am. 
I'm sealed by a name that is stronger than your issues. And I'm an ambassador for that name. I don't have any money to put in your cup. I'm not flashy. I may not have the right uh, clothing on. But in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Actually, he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's very important. I don't have silver and gold. I don't have any. I don't have any of that, but such as I have, I give unto thee. I know you are used to people dropping a little silver in your cup, but I, I've got something better than anything that has ever hit your cup. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. you got to catch that. You need to underline that in your Bible because we skipped that. I've heard him preach, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He said Jesus Christ of Nazareth for a reason. And he took him by the right hand and he helped him up. And instantly this man who has been lame from his mother's womb, who had to be carried daily to the gate called beautiful. All of a sudden his feet and his ankles became strong. He jumps to his feet and he begins to walk. And then he went with them into the temple court, walking, jumping, and praising God. Notice something. Simon Peter uses Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Where was Jesus Christ born at? Bethlehem. Real. <laughs> well, I got y'all, didn't I? I got y'all. I had y'all. I had y'all. I had y'all. I had y'all. Ten's the number of testing. How many commandments are there? Ten. How many plagues are there? Ten. How many disciples were there? See, I was just making sure. I was just making sure. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But he was raised in Nazareth. You know what Nazareth was? It was a no-name town. All Nazareth had was a bunch of poor people. Most likely racked by real-world problems, high crime, low education, and no hope. Nathaniel, who would later go on to be one of Jesus' 12 disciples, responded to Philip's nudging to go follow Jesus. He said, look, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You want me to go follow somebody? He came out of Nazareth. Ain't nothing good could come out of Nazareth. Jesus came from a place of no hope, no opportunity. And the truth of this reality strips us of any excuses we have. Because if the name that's above every other name can come out of a place like Nazareth, what can the name get you out of? You don't have an excuse. You can't say, I don't have any hope. I don't have any opportunity. I don't. You got a name that came out of Nazareth, and it brought power to an entire world. I've got a name. I've got a name. I've got a name. I've got a name. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We can't whine. We got to get up. We got to walk. We can't keep whining about what we don't have. We've got to be responsible. I, I can't see myself as a victim. I've got a relationship with the one that came out of Nazareth and brought power to an entire world. I want you to look at someone and tell them, I'm not stopping at the gate. I want you to tell somebody, I am not stopping at the gate. I'm walking through the gate in the name of Jesus Christ. God has more for my life. Better things are yet to come. God is going to use me. I've got a name. I've got a name. I've got a name. I've got a name. And all these people, all of a sudden, this, this man that was laid at the gate called Beautiful is leaping into the temple. And everybody saw him and said, man, is that not the beggar that was at the gate? Is that not the man that had to be carried? What happened to him? Man, he ain't even got a cup no more. <laughs> he left all his change by the gate. 
Somebody else picked it up. Because that man was healed, Simon Peter was able to preach Jesus to 5,000 men who got a revelation of the name of Jesus Christ. Because one lame man at the gate said, if they got a name, I want the name, and I'm not staying by the gate. There is no stopping the kingdom of God manifested through the power of the Holy Spirit when Jesus is being glorified. Not man, not, not me, not any other leader. When Jesus is being glorified in the kingdom of God, there is no stopping the kingdom from advancing and growing and filling up. I'm glad. I'm going to say it again. I'm glad this is a Jesus name church. We are a Jesus name church. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Why, why are we a Jesus name church? Well, Colossians 3 and 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, you've got to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. We preach in that name. We pray in that name. We cast out devils in that name. Look, if a devil's been oppressing you, we got you tonight. Just come on to the front. We got a name that can take care of anything. We cover our homes in the name. We baptize in the name. We pray over our families in the name. We got a name that's above every other name. See, I got you there, but I got to bring you back here. Here's the catch, though. Revival will happen when we start glorifying and lifting up the name. But opposition will show up as well. Matthew 10 and 22. You will be hated by everyone because of me. By the one who stands firm to the end. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You will be hated by everybody because of this name. The closer we get to the end and more people start turning away from the name. Condemning religion and everything that we try to stand for. They'll hate us because we preach the name. And we read while Peter and John were speaking to the people, the religious leaders got angry because they were preaching Jesus' name. So they arrested them and they threw them in jail until the next day. They had to spend a night in jail for preaching the name of Jesus. Lock me up, but don't throw away the key. But I will preach the name of Jesus. The next day, the high priest and all the Jewish leadership, basically every leader that had been aligned against Jesus at his mock trial brought Peter and John to stand before them for questioning. And they said, by what power and by what name did y'all do this by? We know, we know, Simon Peter, we heard about you. You the one that denied Christ. So we, we, we know you didn't do it by your name. John, the beloved. I'll just picture John the Beloved crying everywhere he goes. Just, I just, I, man, every altar call John the Beloved, he's crying. John, we know, we know you're too timid, John the Beloved. We know it's not by your name. So what in the world? Where, where did y'all get this authority from to say and to do these things? Now, here, here's my deal with Simon Peter. He's the type of guy that if you don't want the real answer, don't ask him the question. He doesn't butter it up. He doesn't flat. Man, he's chopping soldiers' ears off. I mean, he's the, he's the real deal. He's cussing. That's a bad man. I mean, he, he preached today at Pentecost, but he did some things that he had to get his temper under control. I'm telling you right now. That rooster that crowed that got Simon Peter's attention, there's a descendant of that rooster that lives in my neighbor's yard. <laughs> 
mistake. I'm joking. Every time he crows, I find a place to repent. It's God, I'm sorry. I don't even know what I did, God. God, help me. They knew. They knew that these two men were incapable. And notice that the same man that is getting ready to boldly answer them was the same man who asked, when they asked, do you're a follower of Jesus. He said, I don't know him. I don't even know who he is. What changed? I can tell you what changed. Acts 4 and 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost will change you. It'll take you from being a cursor. Is that the right word? A cusser? A bad language user? A ear cutter offer? And it'll have you telling people, hey, that used to be me, but I'm full of the Holy Ghost now. I, I don't handle things that way anymore. I don't handle it like I used to handle it. I am full of the Holy Ghost. It's 740. I ain't even there about dying. He said, I'm uh, Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, said unto them, you rulers of people and elders of Israel. What Simon Peter was saying was, the day of Pentecost happened, guys. And this power that he said that he was going to put on us, we've been filled with it. 120 of us was waiting in the upper room, and when it came in there, we began to speak in a language we didn't even know. And the Holy Spirit began to be stirred up in us. John 14 and 20, Jesus says, All at that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. The problem with 2021 is too many people trying to be in Jesus without Jesus being in them. <laughs> Paul shows us this, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. Now it is God who makes both of us, both us and you stand firm in Christ. In Christ, he anointed us set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Ephesians 1 and 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. So there is a message of truth. There is absolutes. Because the society we live in said there is no thing is true. Truth is what you believe. So everybody has a different interpretation of what truth is. So is truth what everybody believes? Or is there an absolute truth that aligns with the word of God that I have to take into my life and apply? You heard the message of truth. You heard the gospel. Notice it doesn't say gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you talk about the gospel of salvation, you're talking about one gospel. You're talking about the death, the burial, the resurrection. That's what you're talking about. The gospel of your salvation. When you believe, you were marked in him with a seal. What was that seal? The promised Holy Spirit that was poured out in Acts chapter 2. There, there's, not, there's not a different promised Holy Spirit. This is the same Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost that he told them, you go wait in Jerusalem, I'm going to endue you with power from on high. So your sealed official documents were sealed, implying protection and ownership. When the name is applied to our lives and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, God puts us inside an envelope called Jesus Christ. And that guarantees that we can endure till the end. Think about that. He registers the letter and he seals it with the Holy Spirit, indicating that he 
is the owner of the letter. And he's the only one qualified to open it. Satan can't open it. No circumstance can open it. No situation. The only time it's going to be open is when we stand before the white throne of judgment. And our name is written in a Lamb's book of life. And he says, I know your name. You've been faithful. You've got a relationship with me. Simon Peter didn't have the seal when he denied Christ, but now he is full of the Holy Ghost. We read Romans 8 and 9, these words. They're strong words, but it's Bible. But you are not in the flesh, Simon Peter, anymore. You've been filled with the presence of God. The name's been applied, but you're in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, that's who you are. But watch what it goes on to say. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We have to have the seal of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, 9 through 12. If we this day, Simon Peter goes on, he's telling them this. He says, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he was made whole, be, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there he goes again, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. That's the guys, the gospel you see in it. Even by him doeth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We need the name right now more than we've ever needed the name. I felt it. When I said the name, demons begin to tremble. When I said the name, mountains begin to rumble. When I said the name, depression begin to fall back. When I said the name, disease begin to move. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there is a name that has been exalted above every name. That at the name every knee shall bow and every tongue <laughs> shall confess. Why do y'all speak in tongues? It's a confession. The Tower of Babel, they were divided by their language. In Acts chapter 2, they were united by heavenly language. No man could tame their tongue. So he gives us an outward expression that now Jesus out of our bellies is flowing rivers of living water. And what no man can tame on their own, we can't, we're not good enough. We are full of the Holy Spirit and we all gossip. Right. Nanana boo boo. We all do. At some point in your life, you're going to slip up and you're going to say something negative about somebody. If you don't, please come tell me how. Preacher, you talk bad about people? No. Not all the time. <laughs> Let's be real. No man can tame their tongue. But when we full of the Holy Ghost and that seal of Jesus is put on us, he takes the very instrument that we can't tame, the instrument that brings death, and he uses it to establish life. I'm glad today that I've been sealed by the name. I've been filled with his spirit. I'm glad that I've got a language the enemy can't interpret. He can't. He can't decipher it. He can't understand it. I believe, you've heard, my, you've heard me say it, and I'm going to say it again. I believe in the Garden of Eden, 
I believe that Satan. So there's three archangels, right? There's Gabriel, Michael, and there was Lucifer. There was a war in heaven, right? Lucifer is cast out with a third of the angels. I believe, people believe that that was, all this is taking place in Genesis 1 with creation going on. I believe that Lucifer heard the conversation between God and Adam that said, you could eat of every tree. It's not the tree of knowledge. Because you don't need to be your own God. You need to trust me because Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. The mark of the beast is the intellect. It goes back to Genesis. Can I do some teaching tonight? Is this all right? This ain't in my notes. I'm, I'm flowing right now. The control of the mind. The enemy came in. He knew the word of God, but he twisted it. Has God said? Has God said? God's never going to come to you, and the Holy Spirit isn't ever going to impress on you. Has God said? No. He's God. If he says, he says. God said. And I believe, I believe that the enemy knew exactly who to attack. He went to Eve, who was passed down from Adam, the word that was given to him. It wasn't given to Eve, it was given to Adam. Adam passed it down to Eve. The enemy heard, so he comes in. Tells Eve, as God said. And because of her. <laughs> now they fall into sin. Now you've got this whole Genesis through Malachi. You've got this whole types and shadows you can see Jesus on every page of the Old Testament. You can see him in types, and you can see him in shadows until you turn to the Gospels, and he's revealed in the flesh. And we have Emmanuel, God, with us. But what I believe with my whole heart, now I'm not God, promise you, don't want to be. I mean, I, can you imagine having to listen to the prayers of everybody in the whole world? <laughs> can you imagine? But my mind just went everywhere right there. Literally, my mind went everywhere. Listening to the prayers of the whole world. But I believe this. I believe when you get, when you get to the plan of salvation, you get to the death, burial, resurrection, that God says, all right, I had, a, I had a conversation. Satan and a third of the angels are kicked out, right? I had a conversation with my creation. The enemy heard. He deciphered, and he used my word against me. So now you flip it. So the plan of salvation is about to be established. Redemption. God is about to break that barrier of sin. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus showed up that we might have life and have it more abundantly, right? So now he says, I'm getting ready to restore them, but I have to give them a language that the enemy cannot decipher, that when they speak in tongues, they speak mysteries in heaven that the enemy has no clue what they're talking about. Because <laughs> the Bible says it's the tongues of angels. Satan isn't an angel of God anymore. That's not his people. Satan is not our people. So when he, he come up with a plan of redemption, he gave us a language. He gave us a tongue that when we pray in and speak, that we speak things directly to God. We don't speak it to man. We speak it directly to God. And the enemy sitting back saying, my Lord, what are they praying? What are they saying? I wish I can decipher it. Because if I, if I could decipher it, that's why the Bible says when you don't know what to pray, because the devil, he'll block our physical language. But he can't stop the spiritual language because it flows through us. This name is above COVID and sickness and government and fear and the mark of the beast and the Antichrist and even death. Does anybody know what that name is tonight? 
It's important to understand the power of the name because in this world we live in, this name matters. And also in this word, name, a name matters. If you go through the Bible, names had meanings. They had, they had meanings behind them. Names are never, never mere nomenclature. They're not, they're not that. People weren't named because it sounded nice or their parents were copying, copying a celebrity or, 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 or something else. They named people because they wanted their name to have meaning. Names carried weight and character. And we're often tied to the future. That's why throughout scripture when God was about to do something new in a place. Or new with a person. He would often change their name. Abram became Abraham. Jacob became Israel. Simon became Peter. Saul became Paul. But this name of Jesus is above all of those name changes. Because not only, not only does this name change one person's life. This name has changed everybody's life who it's been applied to. Saul was one man that became Paul. But look around this place. Who can say the name of Jesus has changed my name and my identity? I'm on page 16 to 52. First Wednesday next week, don't, don't miss the seal of the name. Don't miss the seal of the name. And I, I'll get ready to wind it down and close with this. Because you've got to know, you've got to know why this name is so powerful. You've got to know why the name showed up. Years ago, Dr. R.G. Lee preached a sermon on the name of Jesus. Dr. Lee said that there had been many great men who have lived throughout history. And then he began to recount them. He said, you can talk about Demotheses as being a great orator. But so was Homer. He said, you can talk about Beethoven being a great composer, but so was Mendelssohn. You might think about Longfellow and his poem, Crossing the Bar, but there's also Tennyson and his song of light, which ranks right up there with it. You can think about Plato being a great philosopher, but by the name of Plato, you can also write the name Socrates or Aristotle. Many people say that Shakespeare is the greatest author who ever lived. Obviously, they don't know what the Holy Spirit is, but... But right beside Shakespeare's name, you can write the name of John Milton, who wrote the world's greatest epic, and John Bunyan, who wrote the world's greatest allegory. You might talk about how Alexander the Great conquered the world, but also beside his name, you've got to write the name Julius Caesar, who conquered the world in his day. In the world of sports, which I'm a fanatic, you can write the name Michael Jordan in basketball. I don't even want to say it. You got to write the name of Will Chamberlain. <laughs> I ain't saying LeBron James. For all you, for all you '80s people, you can write Joe Montana down as the greatest quarterback in football. But I'm gonna be real with you. You better put Tom Brady's name right beside it. I'm stirring the pot right now. You, you, you've got. You've got Babe Ruth and baseball, but you've also got to put Hank Aaron right beside Babe Ruth. On and on you go. Write the name of any great man or woman, and you will find another man or woman just as good or about as good as they are, just as great or about as great as they are. But when you write the name of Jesus down, There's no other name that you can write beside him. There's, no, there's nothing else you can put beside Jesus. He's in his own stratosphere. There is nothing else. That's why the Bible says that God gave him a name that is above every other name.
Let's stand. It's the most important name in the world. But not only is it the most important name, it is the most inclusive name. You know why it's the most inclusive name? That name includes more than any other name. Think about my name, Josh Payne. What, what does my name include? Amazing husband. Remarkable father. Awesome. See, I didn't even have to say. I didn't online. I didn't say that. Awesome pastor. I just got repeated. The greatest basketball player. A basketball player. Man, you can say my name, and there are several things that my name includes. But it really doesn't include very much. But think about the name of Jesus. Have you ever thought about everything the name of Jesus includes? Have you ever thought it's the name of the Father? Listen, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not messing with anybody's denomination, but I'm going to tell you. If you've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but the name of Jesus Christ has not been called over you in baptism, you need to consider going down in the name of Jesus. You know why? Because that scripture that people use, it says baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You know what the name of the Father is? John 5 and 43, I, I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. Another shall come in his own name. Him you will receive, but I come in my Father's name. Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Who is it talking about in Isaiah? It's the name of the Holy Ghost. John 14 and 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in... It's the name of the Son. The name God chose was the name of Jesus for the son you know why because that name means savior rescuer and deliverer Matthew 1 and 21 says it clearly she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus and he will forgive and save his people from their sins it was John the Baptist who when he seen him he said behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. This is no ordinary name or lamb. This is the DNA of God. 1 Peter 1 18 through 19 for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Now silver and gold. Lame man I don't have any silver and gold. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. If we're passed down religion that doesn't align with the word of God. It is vain tradition that has been given to us by our ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That word redeem means to pay the price for someone else to go free. You know what it was saying there? Jesus is the only one that could get us out of our condition. Because if you're stuck in a ditch, you don't want somebody in the ditch with you trying to get you out. You want somebody that can reach. And they overcame him. Blood of the lamb. By the word 
Brother Ralph, I was reading this, and I thought you would like it, and I'm done. One of the great battles of history was fought in Greece. There was a movie actually made on it. 300 Spartans held off a vast Persian army for days, but eventually all of them perished. But because they fought boldly, Greek school children were required to memorize every name of those 300 soldiers to honor who they were. However, we have a Savior that met the enemy at the dark pass of Calvary alone and single-handedly defeated death, the grave, and hell. The Bible says he stripped Satan, paraded him around, and triumphed over him. And tonight, we don't have to remember 300 names. All we got to do is remember one name. Is anybody glad that we got a name that's above every other name? I'm sealed. I am sealed in that name. We're going down to the river, down to the river.